That was good. Little did Norm know it, it fit into my message. Because those songs were an affirmation of who God is in our lives and what he does for us. And sometimes we need to have that affirmation because we tend to forget when we look at our our situations and go about things. It took a while for my mind to open up to what the Lord wanted me to talk about today and it was a came just reading some verses and I since he just wanted me to read these verses and speak to you about it but my message today is called I affirm this is a happy new year time where we all do these wonderful resolutions that we break about February, 80% of us quit our resolutions in Jan- from January. As I was putting this together, I remember I said, gosh, I talked about that last year. But that's okay. This is this is totally different. You know, you see the commercials on TV. You can lose 13 pounds in the first, first week, and you can do this, and you can do that. Or you can wear a bikini and dance and skip in the water and be happy. I don't want any part of that. (laughs) Maybe we'll make a a video of that later on. (laughs) Yes. But, but people will like you better if you do that. (laughs) Boy, so much for reaffirming and letting those images be in your mind of God being your provider and taking care of you. But we'll move on. I found these and I I found them be pretty funny. These are these aren't your normal resolutions, but they're there's some affirmations of this psychologist has come up with and he believes in humor. And I think some of them, gosh, if they're fitting for you, it's going to be a shocking day. Just laugh them off. He says, as I let go of my feelings of guilt, I'm in touch with my inner sociopath. (laughs) These are ones you have to think about. I have the power to channel my imagination into ever-soaring levels of suspicion and paranoia. I assume full responsibility for my actions except for the ones that someone else is at fault. (laughs) In some cultures, what I do would be considered normal. (laughs) My intuition nearly makes up for my lack of wisdom and judgment. (laughs) I need not suffer in silence when I can still moan, whimper, and complain. When someone hurts me, I know that forgiveness is cheaper than a lawsuit, but not nearly as rewarding. (laughs) How'd you like to go talk to this guy for counseling? 
I'm at one with my duality. <laughs> Blessed are the flexible, so they can tie themselves in knots. I will strive to live each day as if it was my 50th birthday. I honor and express all facets of my being, regardless of state and local laws. Today I will gladly share my experiences and advice. So there's no sweeter words than, I told you so. (laughs) A scapegoat is almost as good as a solution. I will no longer waste my time reliving the past. I'll spend my time worrying about the future. (laughs) The complete lack of evidence is the surest proof that the conspiracy is working. (laughs) And the last one, before I criticize a man, I walk a mile in his shoes. That way, if he gets angry, he's a mile away and barefoot. <laughs> so, those are resolutions you can take on yourself if you if you find it's 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 necessary. As humorous as those are, most most of the resolutions we make, even in, to the natural man, are absolutely a waste of time. For some reason, when we come about the uh, new year, we we look to make changes in our life. And those changes at the beginning may seem reasonable, but as the year wears on, they're forgotten and proved to be ill-advised from the start. We see no reason to continue and just quit. But as I was doing my reading, I, I came across one thing I thought was a resolution that would be well worth time. And I find it in, in the reading of John 12, chapter 19 through 36. And I'm going to read all that, and then I'm going to go back, and I'm just going to talk about the things I see in here. See, as, 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 I, as, I've, as I have grown in the Lord, I've, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to just open up your Bible and read. But I find two or three hours go by and it's been pleasurable. And he speaks to me and he tells me things. And I'm sure all of you know and sure as God knows I'm, I'm, I'm no scholar. I'm no better than all. I, I hated reading. I hated study. I didn't like school. I still don't like school. I don't like authority. <laughs> So what am I doing this for? <laughs> but I get such pleasure. I get such pleasure just reading. Reading what he says about me and what he, what he cares about me. And that's why those things in there, the affirmations in those songs, for the most part were just, he loves you, he'll take care of you, he'll always be with you, and that were so good. So let's get to John twelve nineteen through 36. I'm, this is from the NIV. So the Pharisees said to one another, 
See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now this is the time after he has healed Lazarus. Raised, healed Lazarus, yeah. Raised him from the dead. Verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus' reply, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. You know, and I'm going to come back to that, but isn't it amazing we just we read things and we just don't even think about them? You know, Terry, these people would like to meet with you. It's time for me to be glorified. You know, you you don't. Jesus says it's time for me to. I'm sure. What? Can they meet you or not? You know, and we'll come back to that. Very truly, I say to you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd was there and heard it, and said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus said, This voice was not for my benefit, was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of light. When he has finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. There's, there's so much in that, in those verses, that I, d- I just want to go through them and point some things out to you. and And... For one, I I hope I encourage you to spend time just reading. You know, it's not like go to the, you know, start in Genesis and read through your Bible. It's open your Bible and just read. First of all, the Pharisees are upset because they're getting nowhere in shutting down Jesus' ministry. They wanted to get rid of him. And it says that people outside the Jewish faith are seeking to see, see Jesus. The Greeks, you know, 
were not the typical people that came seeking Jesus. Even Jesus, when he ministered, he said, you know, just go to the to our people. Don't go to the to the people outside. But here it says, people outside the Jewish faith came seeking Jesus. That's a fulfillment of prophecy. It's in Haggai 2.7. He says, Haggai, under the power of the Holy Spirit, says, I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And they will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. You know, it's a point of saying that there will come a time when the whole world will seek Jesus. And Jesus, knowing Scripture, said, this shows me this is the time. It is time for me to be glorified. I'm going to uh, use the mirror for the most part to keep you in this. Because, I, like I said, I've said this several times, I've, I read this and I just go, oh my goodness. And I go back and I double check what he says to what I find in any other version and it's like reading a, a it is like reading a letter to you that somebody who loves you writes you a letter instead of reading a textbook about a business organization if i could put it that way verses now i'm in john 12 verses 23 through 30 jesus immediately understood the prophetic significance of the moment He knew that he, the Messiah, was who all the nations were longing for and answered, the hour is here for the Son of Man to be glorified. Most certainly shall a single grain of wheat fall to the earth and it will die. If it doesn't die, it remains alone. But in its death it produces much fruit. To hold on desperately to a mere life defined by the soul realm is to lose it. But to abandon your soul substitute for the real deal is to observe your spiritual life, which is the life of the ages. Whoever continues to minister in me, let him keep on following me. Where I go, you will share unhindered companionship with me. The shared union is what the Father greatly values. My soul... And reading this, I'm going, okay. Jesus goes, my soul is exceedingly perplexed right now. What shall I say? Father, rescue me out of the clutches of this hour. I see him being sarcastic. Sure, his, his soul, his natural man was perplexed. He knew what was going to happen. And he goes, well... God, get me out of this. I don't want to go through this. And he goes, no, this is the very hour, the very culmination of my destiny. Father, glorify your name. And immediately it came a voice out of heaven saying, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And the crowd heard the voice and said, it, it had thundered and others thought it was the voice of a shepherd messenger. Jesus said, the voice was not for my sake, but for yours. There is so much in this. 
And you can imagine, you're one of the disciples just in the presence of the Lord and all these people around him. And they say, Lord, there's, there's a couple of Greek guys that would like to come meet you. Well, now it's time for my end. It's time for my death. Not realizing what was going on. Living in a living totally in a soulish realm, these even the disciples for the most part, you know, they dip their toes into into the spirit realm once in a while, but for most of it they they lived in a soulish realm. They tried to figure Jesus out with their minds. And he kept baffling them. And when he, he talks, he says if you hold on to the soulish realm that you live in, it's a terrible substitute for the reality of who I am. You will die if you live in the soulish realm. If you do not change your mind and and follow me. Because if you follow me and serve me, you will share unhindered companionship with me. And then he goes... And Paul did this every once in a while. He, Paul would go back to the extreme of living in the soulless realm. And Jesus says, well, what should I do? <sighs> I just don't understand. Rescue me out of this hour, Father. I, I don't, you know, I don't want this. And I bet the disciples were going, yeah, that's right. You shouldn't have to go through this. And he says, no, this is why I came. Don't you understand? And it's funny, he doesn't say, Father, glorify me. He says, glorify your name. He was totally living for what the Father had said and wanted. He says, glorify your name. And he says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Because he glorified it in what Jesus did and how he followed him and how he listened to him and how he walked in his understanding that he had grown in as as a man of flesh. And he even says that this, this voice that you hear, I didn't need to hear God say he was going to glorify it. I knew. See, Jesus walked in and being affirmed by what the Father said about him daily. Sometimes people tell you, but you never told me you love me. Well, Jesus is saying, Father, you don't have to tell me anything because I know. I know my relationship with you. Rabbit trail. As we walk through this life, as, as, as we experience the things of God in our life, as, as, as we grow in our understanding, first of all, God does not... He is not bothered by you questioning what you're learning. If you listen to him, you... I have changed so much in five years. But you know, people who haven't changed in five years or two years or one year, 
And Terry the other night talked about Andrew Walmack. And I've heard it said, I don't like Andrew Walmack. He thinks he's right. Yeah. He does. Andrew Walmack says, you're healed. Well, if you don't want to think that, you don't have to. But people get upset when you are persuaded by the truth and you live by the truth and you won't just back off a little bit. Don't be so arrogant. I think Jesus... Come on, Jesus. What do you mean the Father's going to glorify himself in what you're going to do? What, what, you know, come on. Don't you... The Pharisees have been around and they've been teaching for years. Don't you think they know what's going on? Don't you think they know the truth? Just don't be so dogmatic. You're going to find that as as you walk this out. You are really going to find this. What do you mean I'm not a sinner? What do you mean my sin was taken away? Well, how far do you want to go backwards? How far do you want to step away from the affirmation that the Father gave you? How far will the natural world, the soulish realm that Jesus says don't live in, how far will that drive you back? John 12.31 says, Now is the time of judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Boy, we're going to start messing up with people's minds now. Jesus is saying Satan is going to be defeated now. He is going to be defeated. And I think of all the times, I I think of spiritual warfare and going into battle and and, you know, in the name of Jesus. What am I battling? What? I'm, I'm battling a defeated enemy. Someone who has no power. See, when Jesus said this, he was fulfilling a prophecy in Genesis 3.15. And you all have heard this. I will put enmity between you and the woman he's speaking to satan and between your offspring and hers he will crush your head and you will strike his heel that's a nice way of putting it that he's going to strike your heel yes i'm going to strike my your heel with my head and you are going to crush my head. And when somebody's head is crushed, let's just say they're incapacitated. In Colossians 2.15, let me get to 2.15 real quick. I'll just read this one real quick. In him, dying mankind's death, he diffused every possible claim of accusation against the human race and made a public spectacle of every rule and authority and God's brilliant triumph demonstrated in him. The voice of the cross will never be silenced. Think about that. 
he made a public spectacle of every rule and authority. He took complete control. Jesus took complete control of the cross. He crushed Satan's head. And this is important to remember. The prince of this world, the ruler of the world system, or Satan, is crushed and driven out. He is bound. In Matthew twelve twenty-eight and twenty-nine, these are these are verses I had always wondered about. What what in the you know, Jesus is having these conversations and he comes up with this couple verses and he go, What in the world is this man talking about? And this is how they amplified Matthew twelve, twenty eight, twenty nine. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, and they were telling Jesus that he was casting out demons by the power of the devil. He goes on to say, Then the kingdom of God has come upon you before you expected it. Or how can anyone go into a strong man's house and steal his property unless he first overpowers and ties up the strong man? Then he will ransack and rob his house. Jesus is saying, wait a minute. I'm getting ready to go into the strong man's house. I'm going to crush his head. And I'm going to tie him up. And then I can go in there and I can ransack his house. I can take all the captive people and lead them free. So, again, you know, in the healing rooms we ran into a couple of times. I I had another experience one time where a family member asked me to come and deal with something that they had been dealing with for some time. And this young lady was manifesting some things that weren't normal. Like standing on top of the table and growling and spitting and cursing and just some some things that upset her kids a little bit while well, they saw that. And they hadn't been able to get anywhere. And, you know, I go through my mind and I wonder, okay, Father, if Satan was defeated, and this is the way my mind works at 2 o'clock in the morning, Father, if Satan was defeated, why in that situation did we have to do this? And it came to me, Greg, there was no power there. There was just somebody stuck in darkness that had no idea what was going on and had believed a lie. And sometimes you have to take the lie and you have to crush its head and you have to tie it up and then the person will go, huh, well, without going through all the details. And the person knew who I was, but growled at me, who in the world are you? My answer to them was, I'll tell you in a few minutes when the Lord tells me it's ready. And it wasn't, you know, didn't throw holy water on her or tie her up and smack her down and 
moment. But she was set free. and This was probably seven, eight years ago. She's just been absolutely fine. Don't know why it happened. But somewhere in the darkness she believed a lie. A lie about herself, a lie about her past. Ephesians 4, out of the mirror. We'll go through 4 through 10 here. The gift of Christ gives dimension to grace and defines our individual value. Ephesians 4, 7. Scripture confirms that he led us as trophies in his triumphal procession on high. He repossessed his gift in human form. That's us. In In that march in the heavenly realms, we were with him. We were not led as being defeated. We were led as being triumphant. The fact that he ascended confirms his victorious descent into the deepest pits of human despair. The fact that Jesus died and went to, and came out and went on into heaven confirms that he went into the deepest pits. He now accompanies the ultimate rank, he now occupies the ultimate rank of authority from the lowest regions where he stooped down to rescue us to the highest authority in the heavens, having executed his mission to the fullest. I'm going, my goodness. Satan was totally defeated, his power was taken, and all he can do now is walk around and spread lies in his darkness. And and we go about, you know, and I haven't seen so much lately about, you know, flying airplanes over regions and, you know, breaking the power of Satan as if, you know, he's this, this being who rules. He doesn't rule. He was crushed and bound. If you even want to take it more, he was he was thrown into a pit. If you go into Revelation. But yes, there there is there is a soulish realm that gives him authority, that loves the darkness. And the Bible says men love the darkness more than the light. How do you convince somebody about that? How do you convince somebody that when Jesus was lifted up, he was going to draw all men to himself? Some versions say men. The mirror translation, he moves that to, I will draw all judgment, all sin to myself, based on verse 31 before verse 32. Most all other verses say men, or versions say men. The Greek, when you look at that word, it just says all. I will draw all. I will draw all men. I will draw all judgment. I will draw everything to myself. I I am going to be the center focus of everything. In, In the Jewish version of the New Testament, if you knew there was such a thing, 
It says, I will draw the sons of Adam unto myself. I will draw all men unto myself. You see, it doesn't really matter what version you like. All judgment or all men were all drawn to Christ on the cross. We just celebrated his, his birth. And it was such a, a glorious time, but the world did not see it. And he goes through his ministry and he dies on the cross and the, and the world, for a large part, did not see it. Because they loved being in darkness. They loved, they loved staying where they were. There's, you know, when when you do counseling, you f- you find sometimes there's people who are just happy in their, in their position. You can't talk them out of it. You know, you're being dogmatic, and you think you know it all. All you can do is keep. Here's truth. Here's truth. Here's light. Here's some batteries for your flashlight. Turn it on. It's amazing in the darkness how we deal with things. It's amazing what you think you see in the darkness or what you think you think laying in bed at night. See, I found before I really came to know the Lord, that was, that was ter- I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would go through every situation as if I were in darkness. And I was. I would see everything from the most horrible, disappointing, rejecting type situation, all because of my fault. Well, now when I wake up at night, it's, oh, let's turn on the light. I'm going to read my Bible for a couple hours. The darkness, darkness has no power. Light can be measured by power. Darkness has no power. Darkness is the absence of light. Dark has absolutely no power. But, boy, when I take my grandkids out in the woods up in Vermont and it's pitch black, I can build the greatest bears coming out of the woods to rip you apart story. And my son has picked up on that trait to his kids. Why do you think we tell scary stories in the dark? Yeah. When I was a kid, the thing that I liked to do, we used to turn off all the lights in this big old house I live in, and we play hide-and-go-seek in the dark. My kids thought it was fun until they were the one all by themselves in the dark somewhere. Dad! 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 I'm done playing. I don't want this no more. Boy. How prophetic is that for us? Dad, I'm tired of living in the darkness. I need your light turned on. You see, he has turned on his light for us. He says when he is going to be lifted up, he is going to be our light. 
He makes a he makes a statement here. An affirmation. I don't know if any of you have made affirmations or resolutions this year. It's funny, I have resolutions for a lot of people, very few for myself. (laughs) (laughs) You will not use that Discover card anymore. (laughs) And by February, we have all forgotten. So, but Jesus makes this, and this is the affirmation I want you to, I want you to consider. This is the affirmation the resolution for your year. You see, because we've all played hide-and-go-seek in the dark too long. And the light comes, and when you start speaking about the light, people go, you're awful dogmatic about that. You're darn right. When I was a kid, and when my kids were little, when that light came on, peace entered the room. You could see there was... I would I would talk to my kids and I would say, what is out there different than when it's daylight? Nothing. It's your imagination. It's a lion just roaring in the darkness. It's Satan. His head has been crushed. He has been bound. He has no authority. Don't give him any. So Jesus comes down through all these all these sayings and he said in verse 35 Yet a little while the light is in your midst. Listen to this. Walk in accordance with the light you have. If you have a little light, walk in that little bit of light. And I know that light will grow greater and greater and greater. If you have a lot of light, get around people that don't have a lot of light. And just just let it shine. Just let it be there. You do not have to go into a religious spirit, a religious mode. Go back to this young person who went and uh, prayed for who was walking in some darkness. That darkness knew that I brought light into the room. Nothing about me, but it was what was in me at the time. I went back the other night when I laid there, went through all four Gospels. Okay. How Jesus handled all these situations, all these spiritual, demonic situations. Come out, leave them, go into the pigs. And they knew he was the light. What do I have to do with you, Jesus? Have you come before the time? Are you here to torture us? They knew the light when it walked into the, the situation. When you're out in the dark in the woods and somebody has this big, bright flashlight and you can see them coming, you feel peace. You, you, you know safety is there. But see, you, as well as Jesus, 
are the light of the world. You don't hide yourselves. You don't brag about yourselves. But I guess my resolution for you today is to walk in accordance to the light that you already have. He's given you all light. Don't compare it. Don't get into that nasty realm because that's the soulish realm of comparing your light to somebody else's. Don't ask for somebody else's anointing. First of all, you don't know what that anointing requires. Second of all, you may be cutting yourself short of what the Father has for you. Walk in the light he's already given you. And you will find peace. And you will live in it. And I tell you, by February, you will not be disappointed with walking in the light. You will do it all year through. Selah. Yeah, God.